Hello podcast listeners, and welcome to another episode of Living Well with Kathleen Saunders, your weekly podcast where we discuss the financial, physical, spiritual, and social well-being of everyday people like you and me. The information shared in this show is for general information purposes only and should not be used to make any personal changes to your lifestyle or health without consulting the appropriate financial, medical, or healthcare professionals. Well, hello, Living Well listeners, and welcome to another episode of Living Well with Kathleen Saunders. Are you a parent struggling with a child who no matter what you say to them, it just seems like all they want to do is drugs, mix with the wrong crowd, and get into trouble? Jail has become like a convenience store as they're constantly in and out. My guest today is Pastor Ron Williams. His testimony will give you hope, knowing that God answers prayer. Never, ever give up. Stay on your knees and your joy will come in the morning. Get ready to be encouraged as you listen. Well, welcome, Pastor Williams, and thank you so very much for being my guest today. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. You know, I am so, so looking forward to hearing you share your testimony with us today. Please take us back to the beginning of your journey. What got you starting to drink? Well, uh, my parents were drinkers. They parted every weekend. And when I was about eight years old, uh, my parents used to tell us to go light their cigarette. Here, go light the cigarette for me. Go light the cigarette for mommy. Uh, my dad would say, go light that cigarette for dad. Or um, they would say, go get me a beer out the fridge. Or go get me that wine out the refrigerator. And once I bring them the uh, the cigarettes, you know, I'll take a few puffs, puffs, and then I learned how to inhale the cigarette. Mm. And then my father and my mother would say, here, get a drink of this, boy, taste this. So they would let me drink, and they would let me drink, and then I became uh, addicted to the drug, I mean, to the uh, alcohol and I became addicted to cigarettes at oh, an early wow. age. How old, do you recall how old you were when that happened? I was about eight. About eight, oh wow. Okay, so what age was it when you actually got initiated into gangs? How old were you then? And how did that I happen? Was, well, I was about 15 years old and um, uh, because of the fact that we were poor, uh, I wasn't able to get tennis shoes like I wanted to. I wasn't able to get nice pants for school. Um, um, there was a gang uh, in the neighborhood called the Crips, and um, uh, I was intrigued about the blue uh, headbands that they was wearing, so I wanted to wear one. They told me in order to wear one of these, I had to be initiated. First initiated process, uh, I had about 15 guys beat me up, hmm. and uh, I had to survive the beating. I mean, they kicked me all in the stomach, all in the head. All in the face. I mean, they really worked over me. So I was I was able to take that. Then the final initiation process was to take a brick and find someone with a gold tooth in their mouth, hmm. and then I would have to take go up to them and knock the gold teeth out of their mouth with the brick. Mercy! Wow, wow, that's crazy. So tell me, after getting beat up, you really still wanted to join a gang? Well, I guess I didn't feel the love at home. Many mm. times people join the gang, whether male or female, is because they're not uh, getting the love at home. They're not getting the attention right, at right. home. 
And so they therefore, when you join a gang, uh, they give you the love, they give you the money, they give you all the things that you want get and that all acceptance. the things that you need, mm-hmm, you know, and make mm-hmm. you feel that you're part. Right. Understood. I hear you. Wow. That's serious. So when was your first taste of drugs then? You're now in the gang. You, you already got the drinking thing going on. You've been initiated into the gang. When did you have your first taste of drugs? Well, I, uh, my name was out there. I had a reputation. Uh, they used to call me OD, overdo it. Oh, wow. It's because I felt uh, when I was young that I was different from everyone. Um, so I had to do some things to fit in. Mm. For instance, that if we jumped on somebody, I would go back to the scene and maybe hit him in the head with a pipe or something. That's why they called me OD, because now I realized that I was uh, ordained from the foundation of the world. I realized that I was set apart. Mm. I didn't know in, but I, I wanted to fit in. So somebody told a female who used to date uh, who was married to one of the Dallas Cowboys in Texas. And uh, she wanted some information out of her ex-husband's house. So uh, she walked, she drove through the neighborhood and uh, was asking around, does anybody know Ron? So they pointed me out. So she came to me. She said, you want to make some money? I said, sure. I said, what do I have to do? She said, I want you to break in my old man's house and there are some papers I need to get. Of course, it was divorce papers. Uh, she, she said, anything in the house you can have, and then I will give you $200. I said, let's go. Didn't know the woman, didn't have nothing to do with her, just wanted to make some fast money. So we went to her area. She said, that's the apartment right there. I walked up there. I kicked the door in, and, uh, of course, she got the papers. I got a lot of jewelry out of there. I got a lot of boots. Uh, it was a lot of money in a shoebox in one of the rooms that she didn't see. And so I was stuffing money in my pocket and my, and my shorts and everything. And uh, finally, when it was all over, she took me back to the scene. And she said, uh, uh, would you like to come to my house? I was about almost 17 then. She was like 33. And uh, she said, would you like to come to my house? I said, sure. She said, uh, well, I'm going to have a cab to pick you up at, at 8 o'clock uh, tonight. I, you know, I, I ain't over there go sit no cab way over here in the side side to come and pick me up. Well, around about 7.59, there was a cab outside blowing. So I went to the car. He said, are you Ron? I said, yeah. He said, get in. So I got in, and they, he took me way over to, to the, um, uh, you know, the, the expensive home. Uh, you know, of course, he was a Dallas Cowboy uh, wife. And uh, so when I walked into the house, I'm in a beautiful home. And so she said, do you drink? I said, yeah, I drink. So she gave me some cabassier, and, and uh, of course, we were smoking some marijuana and all of this. She said, um, would you like to uh, make a run for me? I said, sure. She said, take this $50, and I want you to go to the clips, and I want you to ask for this man named John, and then he give him this $50, and he's going to give you something. I said, sure. So she gave me the keys to one of her brand-new trucks. So I'm driving. I go to the area, I knock on the door, I ask for John. I said, such and such sent me over here. He gave me a big old round rock. Of course, I'd never seen that before, so I took the rock, I brought it back. Uh, she said, do you know what this is? I said, no. She said, uh, would, you like to, uh, would you like to try it? I said, what is it? She 
said, let me show you. So she took a piece and put it in the pipe, and she lit the pipe, and the, the bubbles started going around in the bottom of the pipe, and she blowed the smoke out, and like she was in la-la land. So she, she said, would you like to try it? Well, I, I didn't want to be a punk or anything, so <laughs> I said, sure, I'll try it. And so she said, well, I want you to, I'm going to light it for you, and I want you to take a pull of it, don't swallow it, and hold it as long as you can, and then blow it out. And that's exactly what I did. And I'm telling you, that was the beginning of sorrow in my life. Oh, I wow. got hooked on crack cocaine oh, at wow. an early age. Wow, wow. Did you see um, any more of that lady? Or that was the one time that you saw her? Well, I saw her for another week. But I discovered that her son came to the house. He was like uh, 22, 23 years old. And I felt out of place. I felt... I mean, she would bring steak and eggs to my bed. She would buy me clothes. She would buy me tennis shoes. I'm, I'm still a boy. Mm. She she buy me tennis shoes, nice clothes, but I felt uncomfortable because her son was older than me, and mm. I was sleeping with his mother. So I never went back. Wow. Okay. Okay. And so while this was going on, you were having this relationship with her. Were you still doing the runs for her at the same time? Yes, I was. You were still doing that. Oh, mercy. I guess that was your taste of robbery. Was that your first robbery that you did? Because of the of, of the habit that I had, um, my habit became a thousand or more a day. I needed some drugs. And breaking into people's houses and stealing their TVs and all of that stuff wasn't making enough money for me because I can remember I have to carry the TV down the street. Hmm. <laughs> so that wasn't enough money for me. So I began to um, uh, party with the money that I was making. Uh, so I was selling a little marijuana. So I was making a lot of money. I had a lot of women. Uh, I, I bought a fur coat. I bought two pistols. And uh, one day I was with a, uh, a Chinese girl, and I was with uh, two white girls. And uh, we were sitting down uh, drinking and all of this stuff. So we was looking at a, a, a movie called Bud and Clyde. And Scarface and all of these movies, and uh, uh, something appeared to me in my mind. Why don't you rob a bank? And I dished out of my mind at the time, but it stayed in my mind all, all the time. And so I decided, uh, I decided to try it, and I and I did it. And you did it. So tell me, what made you? Well, you've just said it. You saw Bonnie and Clyde and a bunch of other. Uh, movies that gave you the idea of robbing a bank. How many banks did you rob in that one day? Well, the first time when I robbed the bank, let me just say what the mind could see, the body will always achieve. Satan deals with our mind. Mm -hmm. He show up a picture. And if you don't dismiss that picture at, at that time, that, that uh, excuse me, he starts with a thought. Yeah. And if you don't dismiss that thought at that time, that thought will become imagination. So you begin to see what you thought. And if you're not careful, you would do what you thought. That's right. And that's what happened. Uh, so I uh, was riding around this bank uh, for maybe over an hour, trying to build up my nerves to go in there and uh, show you how stupid I was. I went into the bank with no mask. No disguise, nothing. Just walked in there. And um, I got away uh, with an uh, unclosed amount of money the first time. 
And so it felt good to me. Uh, you know, it wasn't no drama. Went in, went out. And then uh, about 30 minutes to an hour later, I robbed another one. Uh, so... So can I that stop day, you? Can I can I stop you for a second? What exactly when you go in, you're not masked. Were you in the lineup? Where did you go? Did you go to the cashier? What did you say to her or him? I went. I went to the teller mm -hmm. and I hand her a note, and on the note uh, said that I had a pistol, I had a gun, and I wanted the money, and uh, she gave it to me, and. Uh, so it was it was that easy. Uh, of course, they have uh, uh, other stipulations in place that you just can't do that. Right, but back like, then, mm -hmm. you know, you didn't find too many black people uh, robbing banks. So it was so easy. That I went to another bank, and uh, the course of that day, I robbed four banks in one day wow. and got a, got away over sixty five thousand dollars. Mercy! Wow! Wow! So how did you eventually end up getting caught? Well, actually, uh, I didn't get caught. Uh, uh, I was the first black man that ever robbed uh, four banks in one day mm -hmm. without a weapon. And uh, I remember working on this job, uh, trying to, <laughs> I guess I was trying to, uh, uh, what do you want to call it, uh, throw, the, throw, the people, throw the people off. Mm -hmm. So I, I got this job and I was a courier. And so one day uh, I was on my route and one of the employees called me and said, she was crying on the phone. And she said, uh, Ron, Ron, do you know your picture is in the paper? I said, what? She was crying because, uh, you know, I was talking about the Lord. I was talking about how good God was. Man, that is so, you know, that's the only thing that hurt me today is that I use God's name in vain mm -hmm. to do things that, that, that you know, that, that wasn't Christian-like. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it's very, very, very important, ladies and gentlemen, not to do that. You cannot use God's name in vain and have a secret life, a double life, because eventually it'll catch up with you. Indeed. But anyway, he told me that my picture was in the paper. And so... Uh, I, 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 well, let me, let me, let me, can I back up for a yeah, moment? Yeah, sure, go right ahead. I, I, I remember when I took the money uh, the, at the last, uh, at the last bank, I was driving down, uh, I was about five minutes away from the bank and I was at a red light and the police was at the red light. He was on uh -oh. the opposite side. Mm -hmm. and, and, and so I, I got scared, man. I said, oh man, I better go to jail. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, and, and, and at that time, uh, I, I'm thinking, should I just hit the gas and just, just do it gangster style? Just hit the gas. And, and, and then right at the light, when the light turned green, simultaneously, his red lights come on. Obviously, he had just got the call of that bank being robbed. Wow. So I just cruised on right past him. And let me tell you something funny. As I was driving... I said, I need to get off the streets. I need to get off the streets. So I drove up into this Kentucky Fried Chicken, and, and, and I saw this guy. I saw this guy look like he was a, a Rastafarian. He had these braids, and he was pushing a basket. So I had all this money, $2,500. What did you have it in? 
Well, I had, it in, I had it in a bag, but I laid it in the seat because I wanted to see how much I had. So I had, uh, if, you, if you understand what I mean by wraps, it had $10,000. You know, I had a wrap around that $10,000. Then I had another bundle that had $2,500. Then I had another bundle that had $5,000 in it. So, so when I drove up to this Kentucky Fried Chicken, I saw this guy, and he said uh, he, he, came, he was coming up to the car. So I hid it. I put something over it. He said, sir, he said, uh, do, 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 do you have 50 cents? I said, 50 cents? I said, man, what do you want 50 cents for? He said, I'm a vegetarian. Oh, wow. I said, you a vegetarian? He said, no, a vegetarian. I said, man, I ain't never heard of no, no, no vegetarian. He said, you a vegetarian? He said, I said, what is a vegetarian? He said, I don't eat meat. I said, man, come on, man. You black, man. You eat meat, man. Come on, man. Don't pull my leg. <laughs> so I remember I had a stash. Uh, I don't know how much money it was, sister. I don't know how much money. It could have been over four, $5,000. Wow. So I, I, I took a bag and I put all of it in there. I said, come on. Here, take this. Let's go into the store in, in Kentucky Fried Chicken. When we walked into Kentucky Fried Chicken, now, meanwhile, the, 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 the SWAT unit was on their way to my job to get me. Okay. They, they, had, they had found out about the robbery. Mm -hmm. So they were on their way to my job to get me. I didn't know it at the time. So when we walked into Kentucky Fried Chicken, I said, well, actually, you know, I was just going in there just to pass time away. And he said, uh, I said, give me a bucket of chicken and some fries and some, and some coleslaw and some, and some macaroni and cheese and some, and, some, and, some, and, some, and some okra. And he went in there and he said, can I have some okra, some mashed potatoes, and some corn. I said, I know he's gonna get some some chicken. I'm saying, him, I know he's gonna get some chicken. <laughs> the man, the man never got any chicken. So I said, he must be a veterinarian. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. All right, go ahead. So, yeah, I was, I was, as I was saying, that the, the SWAT unit was on his way, mm. on their way to apprehend me. So at that time, that's when I got the call from uh, the employee and she was crying and said that my picture was in the paper. So I, I hung up the phone, uh, I, I drove uh, to a 7-Eleven, I took a hundred dollar bill, I went into the store, I bought a paper, told the lady to keep the change, I get back in my car, I'm going to the paper, going through the paper, I'm turning the paper, there I was. Mm. Bank robber suspect. Wow. Bank robber suspect. It never been, uh, it, it never was unheard of. It was unheard of, rather, that a a black man robbing four banks. Yes. And one day without a weapon. Yeah. And all and by so, himself too. All by myself. So, so I went to the pastor's house. <laughs> this is so funny. So I'm driving around, mm -hmm. Sister Kathleen. I'm driving around. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to figure out. Oh man, I'm finna go to the penitentiary, man. Oh man, what I'm gonna do? What I'm gonna do? I said, well, maybe I need to go get some prayer. Maybe the Lord will work a miracle. Hmm. So I went to the south side, and he was out there cutting his grass. So soon I pulled up, he said, he just started crying. Oh, mercy. <laughs> what, what does he know? So, so, so I said, I said, sir, what's wrong? He said. Brother Williams, he said, why didn't you do that? I said, do what? He said, I saw your picture in the paper. Oh, wow. Oh, 
So he said, what can I do for you? Do you need money? Money? Yeah. <laughs> I don't need no money. Mm -hmm. And so that, that day, I decided to turn myself in. And so I went to the boss. And uh, when I went to the boss, he told me, um, he asked me why did I do it. I told him I don't know. Uh, he had a lot of confidence in me. Uh, he said, do you want me to call the police? I said, no, sir. I said, I'm going to go to the police department over here across the street, and I'm going to turn myself in. And that's what I did. Oh, wow. So I know before we get to what happened in court, what did you do with the money? Where did you hide that money? Well, uh, when I decided to turn myself in, I put $200 in my pocket. And I went and I buried the money. Okay. I put $200 in my pocket just in case when I turn myself in, whatever's in my pocket, it goes on my books. So at least I will have some money while I'm locked gotcha. up. Yeah. And I bought me a pair of tennis shoes. Back then it was called uh, uh, B's and K's, uh, British Knights. Some mm -hmm. of the young people that are listening, they know what British Knights mm -hmm. are. So I bought me some British Knights and put $200 in my pocket. And then I went to the police station. So and that's another story all by itself. Right. So, you know, I want you to share with us what happened when you actually ended up in court. Okay. So I went to the police department and I looked on the sign and said, robbery division on the 11th floor. So I got on the elevator, went up to the 11th floor. And uh, when the elevator opened, I stepped out and uh, I turned back around, got back on the elevator. I stopped the elevator, I turned back around, went back out the glass door. I got back on the elevator. Oh wow! I went back to the elevator, and then I turned around, went back out the elevator. I did it about five times, and the people that was in the inside the uh, the, uh, the glass door, they were just looking back and forth, looking back and forth. So finally, some pushed me in the door. Yeah. And I don't know what it was, but well, I know now that God was in, in intervening. But I pushed myself. Some pushed me in the door. So they said, "May I help you, sir?" I said, my name is Ron Williams. I'm the one that took money from those banks. So they looked at each other and said, oh, Mr. Williams, come on in. We've been looking for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I bet it's not every day that a bank robber of four banks turns themselves in, right? That was no, no, really unheard it's of. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, it was in the providence of the Lord. I mean, as I look back in retrospect, God was in control of everything. Definitely. So I walked in. They said, well, give me a confession. So I start playing games with them. I said, tell you what, I'll tell you exactly what happened if you give me a cheeseburger basket. So they said, okay. So here they come with a cheeseburger basket. So I, I, he said, now what happened, Mr. Williams? How did you rob those banks? I said, well, you didn't bring me a soda. You go give me a soda. So I was playing games with them. So finally I said, well, I didn't rob the bank. They gave me the money. They said, Mr. Williams, they gave you the money? I said, yes, sir. Well, uh, they put me in jail. About mm, 20, 30 days later, I, was, uh, I went to what they call preliminary hearing. Preliminary hearing, it, it shows the evidence, the evidence that is against you. If you have enough evidence, then they will give you an indictment. Mm -hmm. If you do not have enough evidence, then they will let you go. Well, when I went to court for the preliminary hearing, I had on an orange coverall and some uh, high shoes. So I saw the foretellers that 
say, was this to say? So I hunched my turn. I said, get me out of here. Get me out of here. He said, Mr. Williams, what's wrong? I said, get me out of here. <laughs> so he said, you want him? You want him? Uh, may I confer with my attorney? I mean, my, my client for uh, 15 minutes. Uh, recess, please. And he granted the recess. He said, Mr. Williams, what's wrong? I said, do you think I'm crazy? I said, do you think I'm crazy? Yeah, them folks going to point me out. I'm the only one sitting up here in, 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 in orange, you, uh, orange coverall. Yeah, they're going to put me on some free world clothes. Hmm. He said, hmm, I didn't think of that. So they postponed the court. So the next time I went to the court, they had me in a suit and a tie. So they put the first tell on the on the on the stand. You could think it. <laughs> yes. So the attorney said, um, "Did Mr. Williams threaten your life?" She said, "No, sir." Did Mr. Williams have a gun? Well, he said, I, "Did Mr. Williams have a gun?" Mm-mm. No, sir. Did you see Mr. Williams with a gun? Okay. No, sir. Did Mr. Williams threaten your life? No, sir. You know what the next question was? Why did you give the money? <laughs> Why did you give him the money? And you know what? You know what I told the officers? I told them, the four white girls, they called themselves, liked me, they said I was handsome, and I told them, if I'm handsome, give me your money. And they gave it to me. No way. <laughs> so so they fired the teller. I'm on my way, processed out to jail. Yeah. So I'm in the back, getting ready to be processed out. Took about three hours. Mm-hmm. So the sheriff came back and said, Mr. Williams, I have some good news and I have some bad news. Hmm. The, the, what happened while I was back there Ballistic statistics took my fingerprint worldwide and they discovered that I had another robbery oh, mercy. in Texas. So he came back and said, Mr. Will, we got some good news, we got some bad news. He said, the good news is you leaving here, you leaving here today. The bad news is you're going to the county jail. Oh, mercy. Wow. So that was the beginning of my journey. Okay. So, you know, there was a part that you had mentioned when your mother was in the courtroom. When was, when did that part take place? Well, it was finally time to face the judge for the four counts of bank robbery. Mm -hmm. And the judge said, uh, as I approached the, uh, the bench, well, not quite the bench, but close to the bench mm-hmm. uh, beside my attorney. He told me to stand. He said, Mr. Williams, he said, do you know what you've been charged with? I said, yes, sir. He said, do you understand these charges? I said, yes, sir. He said, Mr. Williams, did your attorney coerce you to make this plea? I said, no, sir. Do you understand uh, what your attorney explained to you concerning these charges? I said, yes, sir. He said, how do you plead? I said, guilty. He said, Mr. William, the court also finds you guilty by the authority that is invested in me from the state of Tennessee. We hereby now sentence you to 40 years in the Tennessee Department of Correction. And when he said that, my mother got up out of her seat 
Mm. And she got up and she ran to the bench. Mm. And, she, and she said, you ought to. She said, you ought to. She said, that's my son. He can't do no 40 years. You ought to. You ought to have mercy. I said, get up, mama. I said, get up, mama. Don't cry, mama. Mm-hmm. That this lady who I disrespected, mm-hmm. who I talked back to, who she would ask me to empty the trash and I wouldn't even empty the trash. Very mm-hmm. disrespectful. Now she's pleading for my life. You honor. Wow. You honor. Mm-hmm. Have mercy on my son. Mm-hmm. I said, get up, mama. I said, get up, mama. Mama, get up, mama. Don't, don't cry, mama. Get up, mama. And so, mm-hmm. I, you know, that still hurt me. around in the courtroom for them to take me out of the courtroom because I couldn't see my mother mm-hmm. dead. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what happened outside, but they took me in a van and they took me to the Department of Corrections. And so the guy said, man, what they do to you, man? Let me just pull myself together here. Yeah, just take your time. Take your time. It's not easy. So the man, the, the guy said, man, what they do to you, man? So I'm trying to be tough. I'm trying to be tough. Yeah, man, they just gave me 40 years, man. They just gave me 40 years. Mm-hmm. But they didn't have no idea that when them lights went off, I cried like a baby. Mm-hmm. And it took a while for me to, to it took a while for me to, to really register mm-hmm. that, that I had 40 years. And finally, about three weeks into the prison, I realized I had 40 years and I won't be going nowhere. Mm. And this was 1986. And my parole date, the day that they they wanted to bring me up, was 2010. That's a long time. Mm-hmm. And so, so I stopped eating. I didn't want to eat no more. And... Uh, I wanted to kill myself. I got down to 60 pounds. The arm band that was on my arm, I could raise my arm up and the arm band would go all the way up my shoulder. That's how skinny I got. Wow. My pants was twisted. Hmm. My shirt was backwards. My hair was all over my head. My beard, my mustache was all over my head, all over my face. So I drank some Purex, some Clorox. I tried to kill myself. The Clorox wouldn't kill me. I tried cutting my wrist. Mm. And I did all of that. So, because hmm. I thought that God wasn't going to forgive me hmm. for what wow. I've done. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. You know, I know jail isn't a nice place at all. And I'm sure you have many, many a story to be able to share with us about the incidents that took place while you were incarcerated. You know, I'm going to ask you to share that amazing experience uh, of when you saw Jesus. Well, it was about uh, maybe a year and a half, almost two years later, I was still in a depressed state. They used to give me Thurzine. And I used to walk around the prison like a zombie. 
And they said, there go, there go William. Y'all better watch out. There go William. And I was walking like I was in space, like real slow. And uh, so one day an officer came in. He said, William, he said, you want to go to church? I said, yes, sir, I want to go to church. He said, come on now, like a child. Come on, come on, William. So I was taking like half steps, real baby steps. He said, come on, William. He said, come on. And so he said, he brought me into the church and he sent me on the front row. And he said, you stay right here until I come back and get you. Said, yes, sir. So the church service began to, uh, to the, church, the church service started. And I remember there was a Baptist lady on the piano and she kept watching me. She kept watching me and I was sitting on the front row and I was going back and forth with my head going back and forth. And I was, and I had my hand balled up and I was just going back and forth. And I'm like, I'll tell you, I just couldn't pray. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say. And I was just, just going back and forth, back and forth. And the lady, the lady got off the piano and she came to me and she put a note in my hand and she closed my hand. And I kept on going back and forth, just, uh, hmm. you know, i never been in a situation like that in my life. You know, when I was on the street, you know, I was walking around with a $5,000 fur coat, I uh, had two pistols, white girls on two, both of my arms. I mean, I had it all. When I got down to $2,000 in my pocket, I was broke. They had to go get me money. I was just pimping and hustling and on drugs, all kinds of stuff. And now I'm looking like a vagabond. I'm sitting here crazy, pants twisted, shirt backwards, hair all over my head. I'm sitting there crying like a baby. And the lady put a note in my hand. So finally, after the meeting, the church service was over, the officer came back and he got me and he took me back to my cell. And when he took me back to my cell, I was laying on my bunk hmm. and I was just, just staring, just, just staring. And I remember the note and the note said, expect a miracle. Hmm. Wow. That's what the note said. That's Expect what the note was. Mm. a miracle. Wow. So at that time, I remember my grandmother used to sing, Precious Lord. And one day I sang it for you. Precious Lord, take my hand. Mm -hmm. And I began to uh, start sniffing, you know. Mm -hmm. I needed some help. I wanted to pray. I just couldn't get a breakthrough. I knew about the Lord. I, I was raised in the church. Even when my mother was drinking and stuff, she brought me to church. And 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 so I, I, I started staring into the ceiling. And then all of a sudden, I put my hand in the back of my head, and I started singing that song, Precious Lord, take my hand, leave me all, and let me sing. And all of a sudden, my, my cell lit up. Like somebody cut the lights on in there. And I looked over my head and I saw this man with a white robe. He was like, I, I, I can't demonstrate what I'm, do, what, I'm, what I'm doing there, but 
he was like coming down like real slow, real slow. I tried to see the face, but the face was blurry. But I saw that his hair was on his shoulders. And I rolled off my bunk. And I fell down on my knees. And took a Catherine for the first time. I was able to cry out to God. Amen. And I said, Lord, I'm in a world of confusion. People are getting killed and raped and stabbed all around me. And I began to call upon Jesus with the top of my voice, Jesus! Mm. And, my and my mouth began to tremble. It kept, I couldn't stop it from trembling. It just trembling for three hours. Wow. This light was in my cell. And then afterwards, when the light disappeared, I got up off my knees. It's like I had some pep in my step. I looked at my pants and I realized my pants were twisted. Never knew it, never noticed it before. So I turned my pants around. I realized my shirt was on backwards all the time. Wow. So I put my shirt on and I and I and I and I and I, and I uh, um, buttoned the top button. And I looked at my hand, and if you could see my hand, it's two red marks on my hand. And this was over 30 years ago, and I still have those two red marks showing that Christ came to see about me. Wow. The God of the universe. Mm-hmm. Yes. Who angels bow before him. Heaven and earth are going to Amen. Took time out of his business schedule. Praise the Lord. To come and visit me in the four by four thing. Mercy. Wow. And they realized that I was in the dormitory with 50 other inmates. Hmm. And I was crying the top of my voice. And so at that time, about 30 minutes later, it was child time. Child time. And the doors opened. Boom. So I stepped out. And they said, man, first thing I did, I said, man, I'm going to apologize. I said, man, listen, man, forgive me for making up all that noise. Let me tell you something, Sister Kathleen. Mm-hmm. God shut the ears of the inmates. Mercy, wow. They didn't even hear me. They didn't hear anything. Wow. They didn't hear anything. I was sitting up here crying and talking my voice like a doctor. What an awesome God. And when I walked out, they said, man, look at William. The devil said, look at Williams. Look at Williams, man. Wow. I don't know what they saw, hmm. but I know what I felt. Mm-hmm. That day, God filled me with the Holy Spirit. Amen. And power changed my life, transformed me that day. And I still have that power today. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God. What an encounter you had. You know, as I said before, that you had many, many more, but that was the one that changed your life and turned you, turned your life around. God God whipped you into shape, good and proper there. I know you spoke of a situation with uh, a lunatic man that God allowed you to heal, who God healed through you. Mm -hmm. Well, I was walking down uh, the cell block. Uh, The officer gave me a job. I, I worked. As a, uh, in the kitchen where in this particular job I would take the food to the sales. So I saw this young man, 19 years old. He had 50 years. 
and he, had, he, he didn't have no clothes on. He didn't have no sheet, no blanket, and, 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 and he was slobbing, foaming out the mouth. Hmm. And his fingernails was like bird claws, hmm. like an animal. I read about a lunatic in the Bible, but I never seen one. Right. And he was like, ah! So when I walked in there, they said, get away from here, William. And so I stood back. Mm -hmm. I said, young man, I'm going to pray for you. He said, come on out of there, William. So I came out. You know what? I went on a three-day fast for that brother. Mm. I was already half hungry because I didn't have no money. I went on a three-day fast. And after the third day, it was on a Friday night. I'll never forget it. I walked up to the guy. He said, William, you can't go in there now. I told the officer, I asked him, I said, sir, I will clean your office with my toothbrush. Just give me five minutes to talk to him. I just want to pray with him, sir, please. He said, no, Williams, I can't let you in there. I said, officer, please, please, man, please, man. Just give me five minutes, man. I, I, I'm not going to hurt him. I'm not going to do nothing. I just want to pray with him. He looked around. He said, gone in there five minutes, Williams. He said, thank you. God has already started giving me favor with the officers. Hmm. So when I walked in there, he was, hey, So, you know, the first time I went in there, he, 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 he reached out and tried to scratch me. But this time, I was a full of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I walked up to the, to the bar just like my nose touching the bar. He kept looking at me, but he was up under the restraints of the Spirit of God. That's how much power you got, Sister Kathleen. Amen. That's yes. how much power yes. every believer has. Yes. The only reason why you don't know it is because you don't use it. Mm -hmm. But I looked at him, Sister Kathleen, and I said, do you believe Jesus can heal you? <laughs> I know he was crying out his mouth. Mm. The first thing that came to my mind, that's somebody's child. So I touched his head. I said, lose him and let him go in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And he fell backwards. And he hit the wall. And the, and the officer thought I hit him. I didn't hit it. Wow. Huh. So they came in, five officers. They throw me on the ground. They put handcuffs on my feet. They put handcuffs on my hand, and they drove me by the chain of my feet down 15 flights of stairs mm -mm. and throw me in the hole wow. for 45 days. Wow. Hmm. Didn't see no dark, no light, nothing, nothing. but water. Hmm. And I start feeling rats crawling on me. Mm. So I noticed that every time I was seen, this little light of mine, hmm. I'm going to let it shine. I didn't know if it was light or day, but I didn't feel the rest. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it was like 30 days later, or I don't know how many days. I know I stayed in there a long time. The officer, one of the officers came out. He said, Williams. You know, he said, he, when he opened, opened the door, he, he, said, he said, Williams. Come to the bar. So I got up very weak and I put my hand in the back of my head, my, my hands in the back of my back. He said, Who are you? 
I said, my name is Inmate Williams, sir. He slammed the door in my face. So I went back and sat down. Fifteen minutes later, he came back again. Williams, come to the ball. I was so weak. I got up, came to the ball, put my hand back, my hands in the back of my back. He said, who are you? Hmm. I said, I'm inmate Williams, sir. He slammed the door in my face. I sit back down. So the Spirit of the Lord told me what to tell him next. I just heard his voice, just like I'm listening to you. Mm-hmm. So he came back. He said, wait, come to the ball. And uh, I went there, and I put my hand behind my back. He said, who are you? I said, sir, I'm a child of God. Mm-hmm. I said, I don't care how you put me in this dungeon. You cannot stop my communication from earth. Amen. Amen. Yes. Amen. And the man let me go. He said, put your clothes on. Let's go. Wow. Amen. They put me in the shower. <laughs> they put me in the shower. They shot me with a water hose. They restored, restated my position. Instead of me going to, to the sales, they put me in the kitchen. And my responsibility was to serve juice mm-hmm. or coffee. Mm-hmm. Juice. So this young man came through the line. And he looked at me. I looked at him. So he said, sir, you remember me? I said, uh, not really. He said, I'm the one you prayed for. Hmm. You see, I didn't see the results. Mm-hmm. God not only changed him, Sister Kathleen, mm-hmm. but his whole appearance. Oh. Anytime you have an experience with God and demons are released from your life, you, don't, you will not look the same. Wow. Hmm. Totally different. Wow, that that day began my ministry in the jail. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God. You know, I, I know you had a few other encounters. I'm just going to let you touch right now on the Muslim incident. Oh, the Muslim. Yeah. Yes. Uh, we had a debate. They said that Jesus was a prophet. I told them Jesus was the son of God. So we all go back and forth. So, so he, I said, well, why is Muhammad still in the grave and Jesus sitting on the right hand of the Father? Lord, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that's it. you talk about making the devil alive, mm-hmm. man. They ran after me, man, and they tried to kill me. They couldn't catch me, and so finally they plotted. Way in the evening, way in the way in the in the in the, in the, in the, in the night, they took cotton and paper. Hmm. And set it on fire and throw it in my cell. And my whole cell blazed up. Oh, wow. And I said, Jesus! And the door opened. Mm. And I was excellent. Now, you can't open those doors. Only the officers at the end can open all the doors at one time or one door at a time. And when I called on the name of Jesus, he opened the the door. door. Amen. Praise the Lord. God is good. Hmm. Praise the Lord for that. Well, everybody was looking at this. It was a program back in the early 80s called Solid Gold. Yeah. Solid Gold was like American Bandstand mm-hmm. or something like that. So everybody dancing. So I would find myself inside of my cell. And I had a, a, a sign that said, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Mm-hmm. So God revealed to me the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. And so um, so this, this man, he was a, uh, uh, he was a pastor who had swindled the church over $50,000. So he, 
So he had a lot of time, over 25 years. But he walked, you know how men sling, you know, he can sling backwards and walk, sling backwards, his leg follow, sling back, his leg follow. That's how he used to walk. Okay. So I was able to give him a Bible study. The way he asked me, he said, why do you sit in your cell on Fridays and Saturdays? Didn't know that nobody was watching me. He said, why do you sit in your cell every Friday and Saturday? I said, because I, I, I believe in in the Sabbath. He said, well, what is the Sabbath, Sunday? I said, no, the Sabbath is not Sunday. I said, sure. I said, sit down, let me share with you. So I went from Genesis to Revelation, and I showed him that the Sabbath still exists today. Hmm. And so he said, man, I didn't know that, man. I said, would you like to keep the Sabbath? He said, yes, sir. I would like to keep the Sabbath. I said, you know, God don't intend for you to walk like that. He said, man, I was born this way. I said, are you willing to keep God's holy Sabbath? He said, yes, sir. I said, come in for a minute. I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, loose it, hmm. and let him go. The man walked and did one, one hop, and he started walking straight. Praise I'm the Lord. God is real, Sister Kathleen. God gave God me the gift of healing. Real. Amen. Yes, yeah, praise the Lord. God is awesome, truly. He is real yes, indeed, ma'am. indeed. Yes, ma'am, he's yeah. real. Powerful. Yeah. And you know what? Yeah. This power is available to every believer. Yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> we just have to activate it in ourselves, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's what you got to yeah. do. Yeah, yes, yeah. I yes, believe ma'am. that. I still believe that. After that experience, you then had a witnessing opportunity after that. So share that with mm-hmm. us. Well, I, uh, I saw beginning to talk about prophecy, uh, end time events. Uh, I didn't know it was called end time events. I didn't know it was called prophecy. I, I uh, learned about uh, three angels of Revelation 14. Uh, I learned about the state of the dead. I learned about there was no rapture theory. Uh, I learned about the true meaning of the second coming of Christ. And so I began to teach uh, as the Lord revealed to me. And I used to just get on my knees and put my head in the Bible all night. And God would reveal to my mind. And then it was like a breeze of an air would turn the page will turn the pages to where I need to go to connect scriptures. So that's what I preached. I had 40 inmates uh, in my Sabbath school class, and I had a lieutenant and a sergeant from the correctional center in my Sabbath school class. What? So I began to teach. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Never knew about Seventh-day Adventists, never had no literature about Seventh-day Adventists, and didn't have anything. It was just the Holy Spirit was teaching me uh-huh. the, the doctrines of the church. Right. And, 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 and I didn't know the doctors of the church until I was released. Then I know that God has sent me to the right church. And that's how you know God holds all the power. Teaching someone yes. who didn't even know about the faith and, you know, lining no. you up and preparing you already. No. Wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. And, and, and how I knew that, Kathleen, mm. was mm-hmm. when I was released, I was walking through a neighborhood and I saw a church said, uh, Breath of Life, Seventh-day Adventist Church. But I didn't think about Seventh-day Adventists. I saw the Sabbath services. So I wanted to go to a Sabbath service. So I walked into that church. Oh, my Lord. Me coming from a Pentecostal church. Hmm. You know, in a Pentecostal church, you can pray the Lord. You can pray mm-hmm. to Jesus. You can Ikebo, Hababo, Hukum, and Messiah. You can do all of that stuff. So I walked into the church. I went straight to the altar. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, Hallelujah. And man, the was looking at me like I was crazy. Yeah. Who is this man? So the pastor said, Who are you? 
I said, my name is Ron Williams. I said, I just got out of prison. I had 40 years, and God cut 36, time, 36 years of my time and set me free. And I just want to testify. And so, oh man, it was like an uproar, man. Everybody was just happy. Everybody was crying, and, and especially those that had children in prison. They got some hope. They, 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 they faith increased. So when everything kind of simmered down, the pastor got up and preached. And guess what he preached? Hmm. He went to Revelation 14, 6 through 12. So I'm sitting up there. I just got upset now because I thought I was the only one that knew that. Okay. I thought I was the only one that knew about no, the three no, no. And so I couldn't wait until the church service over because I wanted to ask him, how did he know? Hmm. So finally, when they were shaking the pastor's hand, I, got, I, I, I finally reached the pastor. And I said, sir, I'm just so excited. I said, how did you know? about these three angels he said young man we've been preaching this since 1844 mm. now why would god this is something why would god take an alcoholic a drug addict a bank robber mm. allow him to go to prison and teach him what i've been taught since the 1800s mm. how would i know that mercy god is awesome Truly right when it says, God, I know the plans I have for you. Huh? Definitely. Yes. Definitely. And so, you know, when I, when I conduct crusades, mm -hmm. I can do crusades without notes because it's in my mind. Yes. 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 Hallelujah. So, praise the Lord. So I want to move on, you know, because okay. you've talked about um, that witnessing and that experience, but that was outside the jail. That's when you were released. Let's get to when you rele re were released, that whole experience. What happened? You know, you met, you talked about the experience with the angels. Was that the, the process when you got released or just before? Well, mm -hmm. what happened was uh, I was in my, uh, I was in my cell. One of the officers came to my, to the, to the, to the, to the bars. And he called my name, Williams. So somebody said, Williams, uh, CO wants you, man. So I went to the bar. He said, uh, you got a visitor after four years. No, I never had a visit in my life. Wow. Four years. He, he said, you got a visit. I said, that's okay. Uh, I don't, I don't want to go down. I mean, you know, I don't got a custom for nobody coming to see me. Because mm -hmm. I, was, I was studying the state of the dead. You know, I used to, I used to, I was taught that when a person died, they go straight to heaven. So God began to show me the real process of when a person died. So I was kind of intrigued and, and learning more. Right. So I told him I didn't want to visit. So he said, are you sure? I said, yes, sir. Well, about 20 minutes later, the sergeant came and he went. I said, man, sergeant, want you, man. So I come back to the bar. He said, man, you got to visit down there. Put on your clothes. Let's go. Well, of course, I got to go now. Hmm. So I put on my clothes. Uh, not that I, I was naked. You know, I had on my boxers and shirt. Mm, okay. But, uh, you know, because it's hot in there, we walk around with boxers and stuff. Uh, but anyway, um, I put on my clothes, but my top shirt. And when I got to the bar, they put handcuffs on my hand and they put handcuffs around my feet. Mm. I said, who in the world? Lord, the world down there want to see me. And, and I got to be chained up like this here. Hmm. It was six officers. How many? Six. Six. All of them was like six, six, 
280 pounds. And I've been in that facility four years mm-hmm. and never seen these officers before. Wow. I don't know who they were. I believe now they were angels. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they escorted me to the, the place, the visit room, where this man was waiting on me. So when I walked in, oh, I discovered later that somebody was going to throw some hot water on me. So God sent angels to protect me. Amen. Praise God for that. So I was walking down, you know, walking like a penguin because I was handcuffed on my mm-hmm. feet in my hand, walking like a penguin. And so when I reached the man, he said, are you Ron Williams? I said, yes, sir. He said, sign your name on this document. Well, I mean, you know, what, what do I have to lose? I mean, mm-hmm. I got 40 years. I mean, they can really send me to, I thought they were going to transfer me to another prison. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I wrote, Ron Williams. And I said, sir, what are y'all sending me? You know what he told me? What? You're going home. What? And when I, when I, when, when he said that, I fell down on my knees. I said, Father Abraham, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, mm-hmm. you have released me from this Amen. prison. I knew, God, that you were going to release me. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Right in front of him. Praise the Lord. And I jumped up on my feet, Sister Kathleen, mm-hmm. and I ran outside the door, happy. Yes. And I realized I better run back in this room. So when I ran back in the room, the handcuff, the chain was on the ground. Oh, mercy. Nobody can release handcuffs mm-hmm. and chains unless they have a key. Mm. And all of them mouth was wide open. Wow. I told them this day, Jesus yes. of Nazareth yes. have set me free. Amen. Praise God. So let me tell you, I went back to my room. Yeah. I was getting my stuff together. I gave everything away except my Bible. I was on my way out, processing out. I thought they made a mistake. Mm. <laughs> but hey, I said, boy, they let me out this. They're going to have to catch me this time. <laughs> so when I went downstairs and got processed out, they said, walk into this door. I walked into this door. And behind me, the door shut and another door opened. And when that door opened, I stepped out and I found out, I realized that I was outside. Mm. So when I, when, I was, when I got outside, I saw, you know how you walk fast and look behind you? I was walking fast looking behind me. And, uh, and, I, and I, all of a sudden, I just started running. Mm. So I ran about three blocks and realized there was nobody chasing me. And it wasn't a dream. <laughs> it wasn't a dream. Mm-hmm. And today... Today, yes. 30 years later, Amen. I don't know how I was, was, was released. And, you know, uh, I'm in prison ministry right now. Uh-huh. And a couple of years ago, I signed up to renew uh, my uh, volunteer status to go back into the prison. And do you not know... Uh, the warden told me, because it had on there, have you ever committed a felony? I said, yes. And so the warden, after six weeks of processing my application, the warden said, Mr. William, we can't give you the job. I said, why? 
He said, you falsified your application. I said, I told you the truth. Hmm. He said, on your application, we asked you, have you ever committed a felony? Hmm. And you said, yes. We don't find no record in our system wow. that you ever been incarcerated. Wow. Wow. Now, if that was been the case, huh. I've been to Canada five times uh-huh. and ran crusades and never been stopped. Mercy. What an awesome God. Yes, ma'am. You know, there's no one that can turn around and li- after listening to your testimony today and say God is not real. <laughs> you know, yes, it is. is just unbelievable. <laughs> one thing after the next. And, you know, when I listen to you share, you can see from day one, the Lord was with you. You know, even though you did all these wrongs, the hand of the Lord was on upon you, you know, and it's just wow. You know, there's that song says an incredible God deserves incredible praise. And I yes, say ma'am. that right now about your testimony sharing with us today. You know, I, yes, I, I just think that's awesome. We serve an awesome God who is able. I claim Ephesians 320, a God who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above abundantly. and beyond anything that we could possibly imagine or think. And we see yes, that ma'am. in your testimony today. So praise God for that. And thank you so much. Is there anything yes, else? Is there any final words of encouragement that, you know, you may want to share with us today to maybe just one person who's listening today, who's either been down that path, been in and out of jail, been on the drugs, been into gangs. Is there anything that you want to share with someone who's listening today? Well, I could say there are some good and the worst of us some bad, mm-hmm. and the best of us yes. will behoove any of us to talk about neither of us. Mm. All of us have a past, and a past is what it is. Yes. It is a past. So sometimes God uh, allow, a, uh, sometimes God allow a minor setback for a major comeback. Amen, yes. And I want to share with the, with the mothers that are listening to me tonight, or today, mm-hmm. whatever time you have. One thing God does, He answers a mother's prayer. Amen. Praise God. You may have a son on drugs, you may have a daughter on drugs, you may spend a lot of money to matriculate your children in the black mecca of Adventism or any college in particular. And they turn around and do the opposite. You continue to pray for your child because my mother mm. One day when they was getting ready to hurt me and because I used the phone and didn't know the penitentiary games about using the phone. And one day I used that phone and the, uh, the, the inmate who him and eight more others was walking around raping people. Hmm. And they told me, he told me I needed to give him a, 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 a carton of cigarettes and two uh, pounds of a coffee. I didn't have a dime. Nothing. Mm. So my mother heard it in my voice. She said, what's wrong, son? I said, mother, I said, there's some people around here raping inmates. I said, mama, I'm not going to make it. Mm. <laughs> mm. She said, Lord, have mercy on my mm-hmm. son. She said, can you pray? Mm. I said, mama, I can't pray because they're looking at me. Mm-hmm. She said, just bow your head, son. She said, bow your head, son. I said, mama. So I bowed my head and he said, Father, in the name of Jesus, Hmm. he said, help my son. 
Oh, I can just, I, I, I guess emotion. I'm sorry. Mm, that's but okay. That's she, the last thing I heard her tell me, she said, son, I'm going to pray you out this jail. Hmm. So I don't care what your son have done. I don't care what your daughter have done. One thing I know, mm-hmm. God answers a mother's prayer. Amen. Praise God. And, you know, that's a beautiful note to end this podcast today because I do believe in prayer and the power of prayer. And mother's prayers, as you said, are so powerful indeed. I just want to thank you so, so much. God knows the hearts of everyone that's listening tonight. And I pray someone has been blessed and someone has been encouraged not to give up on their son or their daughter or their husband or their brother or their sister, whoever it, it is. Don't give up. You know, there's power in prayer. Turn the matter over to Jesus. He will hear, he will answer, and he will protect his children. Thank you yes, so much, is. Pastor Williams, for sharing your testimony today. Wow, what an incredible testimony. I hope you have been blessed and encouraged. We all have a past. No matter how many bad things you have done, The good thing is you can start over tomorrow and make a change. Don't let your past define you. God will turn your situation around and use your mess to become a message that someone else really needs to hear. And to my listening parents, never ever give up. There's power in prayer, especially those of a mother. Thank you for listening to the show today. I hope you enjoy the topic and found something that you can apply to your own life. Don't forget to share this episode with your family and friends. And remember, live well daily.